0: Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training, good specialized training, something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college, I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Marka Walbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it. And it propelled our business. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Wedding Videography for Beginners podcast. I am your co-host, Phil Beabout, here with Brittany Beabout, and today we are going to be covering being familiar with your equipment. Now, I know that that sounds a little ridiculous to be talking about, but hear me out. When things start to go wrong during a wedding, especially when you are just starting out, It is really important that you are familiar with your equipment for the reason that once things do start to fall apart, you're going to notice that as your adrenaline starts to kick up and that kind of stuff, that you're going to make mistakes over and over and over again, and it's going to start to spiral out of control. You're going to do things like hit ISO instead of white balance. You're going to be moving the ISO wheel on the back instead of the uh, shutter wheel that's on the front. You're going to notice a bunch of things that's going to start to compile, 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 and it's just going to it's going to get out of control real quick. And one of the best ways to overcome that is to really become just familiar and comfortable with your equipment, regardless of what it is, whether it's your camera, your audio device, or anything like that. So, i I want to go into a little bit more depth with that, but I want to talk about why it's really important to start to commit things to memory and that kind of stuff. So that when things do start to go wrong, you just kind of roll with the punches and you can, you can recover really quickly. That's a, that's a big, a big piece, especially if you want to be, be successful, if you're doing wedding videography. So what, what do I mean by all this? There's a theory that's called muscle memory. So what happens is it it literally means that you're performing a task so many times it becomes embedded in you. It is just simply memory through repetition. You do it over and over and over again to the point to where it, it is just second nature with, with whatever it is that you're doing. You know, in the military, we did stuff just day in and day out because in our everything that was explained to us was that you always revert back to your lowest level of training so you always want your lowest level of training to really be top notch that way when something happens you fall back to that now what does that mean for uh wedding videography that doesn't mean that you're you're constantly doing stuff that you're always you know trying to be trying to be cool and you know super high speed and that those kind of things it just means that You need to be taking time out each day to be doing things with like your camera equipment. You need to be fiddling with your camera every day on a daily basis, just becoming familiar with the button layout, becoming familiar with what button does what. That way you can try to manipulate it in a pinch and you know that the third button from the right is going to be, you know, your exposure. Second button from the right is going to be your ISO and the first button is going to be the white balance. In case you didn't know, that's the layout of the top three buttons on an S5. I only know that because I I touch the thing every day. I pick it up. I record, you know, our kids doing stuff. I just do some menial tasks with it each day so that I become familiar with that piece of equipment so that when something is going wrong, it's not me overreacting, making the situation worse. So when you notice that you start to build in this muscle memory. You start to, you notice that things get easier to manage. You start to make less mistakes. You're, you know, you know that if you hit the ISO radio wheel, you're like, Oh, let me bump my finger over and hit the shutter wheel. Like you recover from things exponentially, you know, quickly, right? Faster. Faster. There you go. So, uh, You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that weddings are super stressful, so I'm not trying to, you know, horrify somebody or something like that. I'm just, you know, stress is obviously subjective. And when your adrenaline starts going, you will start to react differently to things like it's just human nature. So the last thing that you want is for, you don't want to miss a shot because you were cranking and mashing buttons down and that kind of stuff on a camera. You want to make sure that you can react to things quickly and you don't compound on what's going on by crushing the wrong button and doing that kind of stuff. So knowing your equipment really alleviates a lot of that, especially with your camera. Brent?
1: So I'm going to jump in a little bit into knowing your camera i'm the queen of mishaps and you know you name it i have panic bumped buttons especially um in a pinch and it's really um it's been a pain point for myself um it's just important to be able to bounce back from something like that like i've um Bumped the shutter speed on our GH5, and that created some banding on our groom side camera. Um, I've knocked the clutch on one of our Olympus manual lenses and was wondering why I couldn't autofocus. And it took like, I don't even know how long, but I was in a panic. Oh my gosh, what do I do? Until I realized, oh my gosh, I bumped the clutch and... Now I need to uh I do a slide fix back. it <laughs> um I mean these subtle nuances are just examples of the many things that can go wrong when you don't know your equipment um and they could really be the difference between catching an important moment and missing it, and like I said, this is like the biggest downfall that I've had in my experience with um filming a wedding and it, it could be a very big pain point, especially if you don't have someone else to like peer check you or, um, get you back on track. Um, there's another example that, um, I have right off the bat. The very first wedding I shot with Phil, we, um, had our monopod and tripods and everything else and I didn't set one of the legs on the monopod and we're talking like super early on during bridal prep and one of the legs didn't lock in and it just I thought it was set and it fell over luckily I had the lens cap on and that seemed to have um broke the fall
0: that definitely absorbed the impact (laughs)
1: But that, like, could have been a huge, huge problem for the wedding day. We would have been down a camera, and it's just not a great way to start. So just even knowing how to lock in the legs of your monopod or your tripod or your lights or even knowing how to lock in your camera into a tripod or a monopod, that's kind of, I mean... All, there's so many things that could really be painful if you don't know your equipment. Um, and expensive. Yeah, and very expensive. Um, so I am the queen of all of these issues, and I'm speaking from experience. I didn't know how to balance our gimbal And Phil, like, in a pinch, handed it to me and was like, hey, I need you to balance this real quick. And I was like, ah. And as soon as he turned it on, it started doing, like, this vibrating motion. And it was, like, stuck. And it was just a hot mess. So, I mean, I'm exactly the – I was total rookie. And it was just a major – learning curve for me at the very beginning. So if it could save you any time or frustration, just spend a little bit of time with your equipment, getting to know it, knowing how to set things up. Um, You know, my first year was pretty rough and I could have avoided so many of these little pitfalls and whatnot if I had just taken more time to familiarize myself with our equipment and my camera um so while that little knowledge nugget sinks in we're gonna go on a quick break Um, when we return phil's gonna go over um all of his screws screw ups with audio
0: do you still email a pdf for a contract are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were you need a solid crm a customer relation management tool A program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires and invoices too. We have three set up, one for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family, spend more time working on creative projects, or just simply relaxing? Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead, it's on us. Start saving time and money today. All right, everybody. Welcome back from break. I want to talk about audio equipment and kind of knowing knowing your, your audio gear. So we primarily use two different types of audio equipment on a wedding day, whether it's a, a recorder with a Lavalier mic or the Zoom H6. We were using task Cams, which we still have one, but we also just purchased a Zoom F2. And one of the reasons why... I wanted to purchase the Zoom F2 is that it's really user-friendly and that there's no real, you know, you can't really do much on the front of it other than turn it on, hit record, and then set it. You hit put it on hold. And why why I think that's a good idea is there have been plenty of times with the Task Cam that I would grab the side of it, hit it up to power it, think that it tripped the record and then it never did. So we just didn't record audio full stop out of that recording device. Like there was a time with a bride that we didn't record audio. Then I had another time with a groom where I didn't record audio and I could never seem to get that thing right. And that was, you know, I, I was trying to be familiar with it. I was trying to do stuff with it, but I still made mistakes with it. And it mainly, it mainly happened because I was in a hurry. So this goes back to what I was saying earlier that when you when you are in a hurry and things are kind of going, you if you don't really know the equipment, you're going to make mistakes with it. Ninety percent of the time, Brittany did everything with the task cams. She mic'd up the bride. She did all that stuff, so I didn't really have to touch it, which was my fault. So that's why we had these errors with it every time I would touch it. Now, for those of you that have a task cam, when you turn it on, and you release it on the it's the right hand side when you power it on you got to press it up again all the way up so it starts recording and you'll notice the screen will change i want to say it goes from like a a white pixelated background to a darker pixelated background and you can see the uh you'll see a clock start ticking down so that's um that's one reason why that, that that always tripped me up for some reason and one cool thing with the task Cam though is there's no hold feature on it because the way that it's set up is you have to press that button and then push it all the way up again to stop recording, which is really difficult to do if like it's in someone's pocket or something like that. So you don't need to worry about that hold feature. On the F2, you turn it on, hit record, and then you got to flip it down to set it. And then once you do that, you're done. There's literally nothing else to do. There's a red light on it that lets you know that it's recording and you're good to go. It's that simple. There's no gain adjustments. There is nothing to it. All you need to do is remember to plug the microphone into the microphone jack, which is input on that. So it's marked input. The other one is marked output for headphones. So with that being said, Most of us are never going to monitor the audio from a Zoom F2 because it's going to be in someone's pocket. It's going to be in the groom's pocket. It's going to be, you know, somewhere completely detached from you. So if that's the case, I would take a small piece of gap tape and just gaff tape over the output jack. That way you never have to worry about accidentally doing it because now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure on a task cam, I plugged it into the wrong or on a zoom F1, I plugged it into the wrong thing, uh, and put it up on a, a board during a Catholic ceremony. So at the podium where people stand and they, they give, you know, I almost said speeches. What, what do you call that? Devotionals? I think it's devotionals. When they, when they give the devotional or whatever, when they're standing there, I put a a separate recording device up on the podium and just gaff tape it up to the microphone itself. So that you're recording it into a different device so you can get that audio too. And one time I plugged it into the microphone jack instead of, I plugged it into the headphone jack instead of the microphone jack. And it doesn't work that way. So the, uh, I would highly recommend, or just in general, you know, moving on to the, the H6. The H6 is pretty user-friendly. You know, in our case, it's got a nice, you know, color LCD screen on the front. We're recording with it right now. I can clearly see that lines one, lines three are both recording. I can see the clock ticking down. I can also see my levels. So it's a, like, that's a pretty user-friendly device if you remember to turn it on. And I've definitely had that happen before where I plugged everything in and I forgot to hit record and then, like, mid-speech, for some reason, I remembered and ran over and started recording. So, you know, we're definitely not immune to mistakes. That's that's for sure. But one thing that I did notice is we've had some weird things happen with the H6 and the cards. And by that, I mean just like if you keep recording, you know, if you record 10 weddings on it, we what we notice is... There'd be some anomalies with it, so we always format the card the night before the wedding. So every time we go to use the H6, the card's formatted, and you know we just we go about our business with it. So, um, universal troubleshooting tips with an H6, if or most recorders for that matter, uh, if you're not getting a signal like an audio signal, make sure that one the jack is plugged into it, like an XLR jack or the quarter inch jack. Uh make sure the input line is selected. So when you go to, when it is selected, you can clearly see a red light above the line, letting you know that it's hot, that, that it's on and that it's working. And then also you want to make sure that you have phantom power on. So like the two microphones that we're using right now require phantom power. So I went into line one in the menu, turned on phantom power for hers and line three for me and turned on phantom power for this. So that phantom power is powering, obviously powering the the jack. Now, if you are connecting to a DJ's soundboard, you should not need phantom power. Phantom power is only if you're trying to power a microphone like we are right now. So you shouldn't need to turn on phantom power to begin with if you're hooking into uh, a soundboard. And like I said, make make sure that you hit record <laughs> that's that's also a big thing. Always double check make sure you hit record.
1: True that. So the next part we're going to talk about is organizing your gear and one of the things that we've found to be really helpful is the way that we've set up our equipment. Um we have four cases and a bag. So we have Pelican case, a pelican case, um, and then a couple of knockoff pelican-like um cases, which are Apaches and they're a little less expensive, but they're pretty indestructible and waterproof. And all of these cases come with um customizable compartments. So, like in our first case, which is our biggest one, we have our cameras. All of our lenses, anything associated with our lenses, like the step-up rings, um, our variable ND filters, mounts, USB cords, and I think that pretty much sums up that case. Um, We keep our cameras with at least um, the lens that we're going to use to just be able to pick up and go, but other than that... um, we don't keep batteries in the cameras during storage um, or any of the connections. We keep them in there. Um,
0: yeah, it's all, it's all broken down.
1: Yeah. So uh, our second case is our audio case. And we just have all of our recorders, our mics, our mic covers, bridal mics, all of our little like stickies, bridal thigh straps. Um, any and all the cords that we would need for our audio, all of our audio equipment is kept in that case. Um, our third case, which all of this might seem a little excessive, but it helps us to keep everything organized and we know where to find it. We know that if we're in a pinch and we need to grab something real quick, we know, Hey, it's audio. It's going to be in our audio case. Um, so like I was saying, our third case is our monitors, our lights, our miscellaneous little tools that we have. And that's kind of just like a catch-all case. And then our fourth case is our smallest one, but it has all of our batteries. And that's for our cameras, for um miscellaneous. All of our like audio, small like triple A's, double A's, anything like that. Any and all of our rechargeable batteries go in our battery case and yeah, I mean, chargers. We have, we have a couple chargers.
0: We have the Sony FP970s in there. We have the S5 batteries, the GH5 batteries. We have a GoPro extended battery. Yeah, we have a lot of batteries in there.
1: Yeah, but I think it's also kind of like a a safe place. I mean, I don't know how batteries are when it comes to like, yeah. So I just, (laughs) we like to keep all of our gear, um, broken down for the most part. And especially when it comes to batteries, that stuff is kept separate. Um, our tripods and mic stands and light stands, our gimbal, they're all kept in a, bag does it have wheels on it no no wheels so it's just like a large duffel (laughs) large duffel bag but it's easy for us to quickly take inventory of it it's like two tripods two or a monopod two mic stands two no one mic stand two light stands and and then and then we just throw the gimbal on top and latch that on with the velcro strap and then we know when we have it all, and then that one's good to go. Um, I mean, just the way that we keep all of our setup is is basically best for breakdown. You can take a quick, like, mental look and see, hey, do we have everything? Is something look like it's missing? Of course, the wedding day starts out with everything put nicely in all these little compartments and whatnot. And by the end, it's just a hot mess with things thrown all about, but... We can at least take mental note like, oh, this is supposed to be in this spot. This is supposed to be there. And I mean, at the end of the day, when you're just trying to wrap up everything and make sure you have it all, it could be really helpful and it could mean the difference between leaving an expensive piece behind or, hey, we forgot to grab the mic that was left in the best man's pocket or, you know, whatever
0: Yeah. I mean, I think in general, we, we do have a lot of stuff. Like we, we definitely have a lot of equipment and that's, that's one thing that, you know, we're still learning with everybody too. And we're, we've been seriously considering what we can do to kind of reduce this load because we, we had to buy a cart (laughs) to actually cart all this stuff around, but Admittedly, the cart's actually really nice because it fits all four cases perfectly. So you can drop everything into that cart and it just goes everywhere with you. But but we're still wheeling a cart around. we've we've become those people.
1: <laughs> well, too, I think like the consensus that we've heard is that as beginners, you rely heavily on certain things that certain pieces of equipment can give you independently. But as you get more, comfortable and confident in your gear, you realize that there are certain things that you don't need, or maybe as you, um, start to come into your own style, maybe you don't want to bring a gimbal anymore because you prefer the handheld look or, um, I mean, maybe you become trusting in your equipment and you're like, Hey, I don't need five sources of audio.
0: I don't need five cameras or or any backups.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I think that kind
0: of, all right. So to kind of wrap things up, you know, being familiar with your equipment reduces a ton of stress because it's one less thing that you're going to be worrying about when something else is going on. You really want to make a situation better by understanding your gear and there's a couple of things with that, but one of the biggest things is it really creates a level of confidence and it stops you from spiraling out of control when a situation is just going awry. So it's, it's really important that you, you're you picking up your equipment, you're playing with it every now and then, and you're, you're getting to understand it and really know and you know understand where, where things are and what buttons do what. And that way you're not freaking out during a wedding day when, something, when something's going on. It's the last thing that you want to be worried about. So if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Be sure to join our private Facebook group, Wedding Videography for Beginners. Don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, if you have any questions, You know, feel free to shoot me an email. And again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We hope everybody is staying safe and we will talk to you here in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent. Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost and your pricing to pass on the expense because you're shooting with better gear. Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Rent a Sony a7S III or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with their customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today, and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow.